says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And this is a bit of a bonus podcast, 60s. We're going to break down the three grades outside of the NRL, uh, taking place on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. How are you doing, big fella? A lot of football this week. Eels went three from four and nearly made it the clean sweep. Yeah, they did, mate. And that's the, the reason we are having this uh, bonus instant reaction podcast is that after we did our podcast on Thursday, there were still three more grades in action over the last three days. And it's been a big weekend. I got out there for the uh, Jersey flag and the New South Wales Cup up at Kellyville. Uh, not the greatest conditions, a bit, bit of rain around. Uh, not really conducive to uh, blogging on the iPad in the rain. Might have wiped but- out about 20 minutes of updates for you at one point. Yeah, so uh, anyone that follows my uh blogs over those uh over those days the new south wales cup yes i apologize there uh when the rain started coming down i hadn't updated it distracted me and uh when i had a little issue with it it meant i lost about the uh, last 20 minutes of the first half so um yeah not great but you know we do what we can (laughs) i know all about that sometimes you get dodgy internet connections and it wipes out an update too it's frustrating but It's uh, still part of the process. We do love giving updates. Speaking of update 60s, let's start with the most recent game, NRLW Round 2, Parramatta Eels playing their second and final home game of the regular season, hosting the uh, other part of the grand final, I say last year, last season, the 2021 season that was postponed into year 2022, uh, the St. George Illawarra Dragons. They were outstanding in Round 1. It sort of pointed towards a, a real danger game for the Eels, but they came out and acquitted themselves very well. Desperately unlucky not to be able to take this game to Golden Point or even secure the win, falling 16-10. to 10. Uh, So lose is probably a harsh word of saying it, but uh, on the wrong side of the scoreline there. For the Dragons, uh, Keely Brown, Paige McGregor, Tegan Berry, and a second try to Paige McGregor. Got them on the scoreboard. They didn't kick a single conversion. Big part of why the scoreline stayed that close, I suppose. But for the Eels, Tiana Penatani, she was outstanding. She opened Parramatta's score list in the 24th minute and was followed by Gail Broughton, who was every bit her equal as two of the most outstanding players on either side of the field. Taylor Preston, who I thought was pretty good in the halves. She added one from two off the kicking tee. In terms of team stats, 60s, Dragons had the edge in possession, 52%. The Parramatta's 48 Time possession, about plus two minutes for the Dragons there. Uh, both teams completed solidly, 71% for the Eels, 80% for the Dragons. Uh, Eels with more runs, but slightly less run meters. Uh, we go to line breaks where the Dragons had the run 6-3. to three. Tackle breaks 40-30 to 30 in the favor of the Red V. Average set distance pretty close between the two teams. Play the ball speeds very close between the two teams, but also very slow. 3.97 for the Blue and Gold, 4.01 for the Red V. Eels with more offloads. Both teams uh, diffused their kicks all right, I suppose the big one for the Parramatta was that dropout that was allowed to bounce that went uh, back towards the St. George or goal and they reclaimed it. Uh, both teams very close defensively, uh, essentially a tick under 85% effective tackle rate for both the Eels and the Dragons. And then probably the... I'm actually surprised that the penalties evened out at 6 all because I felt like the Dragons were getting penalties every other set just for, you know, ill-discipline and high shots from the Eels. But 6 apiece, 8 errors from the Dragons, the Parramatta's 9 
Uh, and then 11 interchanges for the Dragons and Parramatta's 9. I'm not sure how many interchanges you get in the NRLW, but apparently it's more than the NRL, which makes sense. That's the macro stats, 60s. In terms of the player stats, uh, we already mentioned her name, Tiana Penatani, 186 run metres between centre and fullback. I thought she was outstanding in this game outside of uh, an early drop ball, which I don't think was her fault. It was a bit of a sloppy pass from dummy half. Gal Broughton, she had a day finished early due to a HIA, 133 metres, uh, try assist, two line break assists. She was dominant down that left edge. Love seeing her getting more involved. Equally so frustrated that we couldn't get the ball to her in the second half. I thought the forwards rallied really well this week. I think Hanisi, uh, Johnston, Taufa, the two back rowers, they were all good. I thought that uh, Ruby Jean Kennard was pretty solid in debut. So a lot, there's lots of positives out of this game, 60s. But unfortunately, the only positive that they couldn't get that they would have wanted the most was that scoreline. Yeah, yeah. Look, it was it was like the 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 base was there for a win today, and there was just a little bit of lack of polish, almost. Yes. Uh, you uh, pre-game in your uh, in your preview, you called on the Eels to get Gail Broughton more involved, and we certainly saw that in the first half. But unfortunately. Where we were finding her in the first half, we failed to find her in the second half. Yep. Um, it was barbecue crucial. chicken too. Like, just get it down that left edge and she'll either break the line herself, which we didn't see because she was so good at setting up, to, uh, not Samama Taufa, uh, Tiana Penatani. Uh, and that combination worked brilliantly on several occasions. But yeah, we just it, it's one of those ones where we've seen it with the NRL too in the, the Paramount Reels. You have something working for you and sometimes you just go away from it. And it's just like, why? The opposition haven't made the adjustments. Why <laughs> stop going? Don't, don't stop going to the well. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It, it just looked like so many times that the ball seemed to go the wrong way, and uh, maybe maybe we're guilty as spectators of um, looking for a key player and looking for the ball to get to that key player, and we're we're looking at where they are on the field and and thinking, you know, get it to her, get it to her, almost like. You know the star kid in a in a junior rugby league game where mm-hmm. you know the, it's like pass it to them and, and let them do their stuff. Uh, uh, you were, we were literally like that with Jared Hayne in the NRL yeah. uh, back in two thousand and nine at times. But look, Penatani had probably what was her best game in blue and gold colours today. Yeah. And uh, Gail Broughton, I think people were starting to see just a glimpse, well, a bit more than a glimpse, probably about why there was all the hype around her, why why I gave her as uh, the name to watch mm-hmm. in the NRLW for Parramatta this year. She, once the team, and I, 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 this is something else that I said as well, that the challenge was going to be for the team to read her and to, and, and just to, well, not just support her because I think I think uh, Tiana did a very good job of of that today. But when you've got a talent like that in the team, and they're floating from one side of the field to the other in that fullback role, you've got to find a way that the ball gets into their hands just a bit more often than what Parramatta were able to do with Broughton today. Still, uh, twelve runs and one hundred and thirty three run meters. Five is, tackle busts. Uh, yeah, is is quite uh, an impressive game today. Not to mention that, that you know, the, the, the commentary call was fantastic. She was in her phone box and she nearly set up a try down that left edge oh. out of nowhere and just couldn't get the offload away in time to Penetani because otherwise it was going to be a, another try. What about the fake and the step? Yep. 
you know, like the look in one way and step in the other. And yeah, just she, she is a supreme talent. And, you know, she's so rugged, her post-contact metres. It only says 34 in this on the, the current metrics, but I can remember a number of runs where she was pushing people back, pushing the pile by herself. You know, high energy, high work rate, incredible class and quality. And that that is why, you know, both yourself and me in my preview were calling for her to be the spotlight player because she is absolutely a difference maker. And we saw that in this game against one of the premier teams in the competition. Unfortunately, went away from what was working in the second half. But in saying that, like I said, a lot of positives in this game. Last week against the Roosters, too passive, uh, did not chase the collisions. This week, completely different. I thought the starting middles were much improved. I thought Johnston and Hanisi were far more aggressive. Uh, I thought that you know the edgeback rowers, they were pretty good last week for the most part. They were good here as well. But you know the starting middles made that difference. The, the line speed was there, except for the set pieces off the scrums. That, that was the only thing I suppose you're going to call negative out. Uh, the Eels struggled to defend that shift down there, right edge down the Dragons' left from the set, the, the dead ball restart from the scrums. Uh, we just couldn't quite count numbers on two occasions there, which cost us pretty dearly. But yeah, th- this was a vastly improved team performance, and that's why, you know, on the one hand, you're you're so happy as a Parramatta fan, but also so frustrated that they couldn't get the win because, by Lord, they 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 gave an almighty shot and they probably deserved a better result. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean. It's- when it came down to it, St George were probably the the slightly better team. But um, look, I'm I'm going to have to say, it, and I'm I'm loath to say it, but Belinda Sharp or, or Belinda Sleeman, I'm not sure what uh, name um, you might be able to uh, correct that for me, uh, John. But I believe she's been she's listed on the NRL officially as Belinda Sharp, but she okay. she has been referred to as Belinda Sleeman in the past too. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So Belinda Sharp, um, look, I. I I really, I'm not sure that she's up to this standard of refereeing. Um, there were blatant mistakes. Both, both teams made. got fortuitous both, calls. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not one team or the other. We are talking about significant, blatant mistakes that were made. There was uh, Parramatta went off on a long break off a, a, an obvious knock on early in the game. It didn't didn't lead to points for the Eels. Likewise for the Dragons, who had a, a queer knock on and a tackle that was scooped up and they made another 20, 30 metres. Ellie Johnston batted a ball down at the end that was clearly a Parramatta knock on. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, so, so many bad, bad calls. Yeah, and, and you know, a tough call against Parramatta that led to the, the first try by the Dragons where the, forward pass the player was being the, – the forward pass was called where – the player, well, to my eye, passed the ball backwards and was then pushed. But was behind. being driven, but was being driven backwards at the same time. Then so the Dragons scored off a flat pass from that very next play, where yeah. you know if you're going to call one one way, you call it both ways. Which yeah, know, well, look, with there's an optical illusion with the with uh, with what was happening with that the call for the forward pass because the ball was clearly passed backwards, but the player was being driven backwards. So. Um, by the time the recipient caught the ball, the uh, the passer was well uh, had been driven well past them. Um, so it it looked that way, but you know replays clearly showed that the ball was passed backwards, and uh, that was a that was a tough call. Now that that is a fifty fifty call, but as I said, some of the other calls were were really really tough. There was one there I, I think we we were judged judged as a flop. And when you had a look at it, it was like, what? You know, it was like the, 
there wasn't there wasn't a flop in it whatsoever. And I thought the um, the telling comment after the uh, a number of significant errors was when uh, Kennedy uh, Cherrington was penalised and she came in and said to her, "You need to be better." And I thought. Jeez, that cuts okay. both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, as I said, I, I look that it, it may may or may not have influenced the result. As I said, I believe that the Dragons were slightly the better team across the course of of both halves because they 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 were able to go better than Parramatta in the second half, and really that's where the game is won or lost. But um, I, I honestly believe that. Um, you know, uh, Belinda Sharp needs to improve as a match official because you can't miss the type of errors that she missed today. And she has missed in the past, mm-hmm. in the NRLW season earlier this year. Like, missed bad, yeah. bad... Points. This isn't an isolated game is what you're trying to say. There's a bit of a track record here of struggling to keep up with the game. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, much as we much as we will call out... Bad errors in uh, the NRL. We're going to call out the bad errors in the NRLW, and um, you know today, like you, you couldn't, you couldn't make anything other than a harsh judgment about some of those misses today. But anyway, we move on from that because um, that's something that the uh, administrative body needs to look at, rather than uh, the Parramatta reels. We now look at the Eels going forward, uh, as you mentioned, a lot to like about today. Yeah, uh, I mean, I go through this team list and there's a lot of positives. Zali Faye on debut for the Eels. She had that one bad error in the second half, but I thought she was outstanding under the high ball, worked uh, worked really hard. In the halves, uh, Taylor Preston, she came in, I think she played in the Prime Minister's 13 way back in 2019, made her NRLW debut. I thought she was very composed. I really look forward to seeing her partner, Lasana Lutu, when she's back healthy, I hope next week. I mean, that's going to be a strong pairing for the Eels, giving them you know a good head on both sides of the ruck to steer the team around. Uh, you know, I've already mentioned Ruby Jean Kennard, historic moment for the club there. The numbers aren't you know six runs uh, for forty something meters. You know, it's not doesn't pop off the arm um, stat sheet. But what really impressed me was how fluid she was working as the pivot uh, for all those backline maneuvers where the forwards had to have the interchange of passes early on. She was very comfortable in that role. That was good to see. And, you know, and this this comes where Smyma Taufer and, and Kendi Charrington didn't dominate the stat sheet like they have in other games. This was a, a yeah. much better team effort. Yeah, it was. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not entirely convinced about uh, the use of the bench this week and the mm-hmm. minutes that were played and when the changes were made. Um, because, yeah, it just, I don't know, it... it I'd have to go back and look at it. That's more of a field judgment yep. at the moment. Um, but the, uh, yeah, when just looking at um, Ruby Jean, I, I, I guess, you know, the for the minutes that she was there, um, that role that she played, as you said, as the pivot in in those uh, backline, uh, well, it was in both of those tri-scoring yeah. movements. Where yeah, she played Com- a, comfortable a shifting the ball as one of the middles. Role. So, you know, like I said, not a. I, I wrote this in my preview as well. You know, you do not expect her to come out and dominate as an eighteen-year-old turning nineteen in you know professional football. But this is going to be a really exciting learning experience for her, and it looks like she's you know ready for this level. She's going to build nicely this year and become a core player for the Eels moving forwards. 
But yeah, you know, unfortunately, the six out of ten scoreline means that the Eels probably going to have to either win out or get two good wins and then rely on for and against and other results in order to make the postseason this year. That's not beyond them based on what we saw this week. The challenge will be playing at this level and even improving for the next three games because you can't slip up against, you know, we've got a couple of impressive teams within this competition like Newcastle and the Broncos and the Gold Coast are no chump change either. Yeah, but I come back to, uh, again, your preview and you spoke about that challenge of having to come up with immediate improvement. Yeah. Was it possible for the Eels to come up with immediate improvement? And damn, they they went real I, close. I, I was very impressed because I, I, you know, you never write write a team off, but it sure feels like with the seven day or six day turnaround, whatever they had, and a short preseason, there's only so much you can do. And yet they came out vastly improved attitude. Line speed was way way better. First contact way way better. And suddenly they're highly competitive. So well done to Dean Witters. Well done to the girls. Well done to all the training staff. Uh, and it shows that they've got something in them to, to make a fist of it. But like I said, the challenge is just locking in for the next three weeks because we've spoken about it, but gosh, this competition really needs to move to double-round robin format. You need to be able to have a home-and-away game against every other team in the competition, more so than expansion in my books. Yeah, and look, I think when you, you, you talk about uh, well done to the coaches and, and the players for getting such an immediate improvement, and I think... When, like, when you think about it, it's hard for teams to know where they're at after a preseason when they don't play a trial match. Yep. And Parramatta played the uh, Jersey Flag team in a uh, in a bit of an opposed session in the week uh, week and a bit before the competition started. So this is the penultimate week of training, but you look at something like that and. It's it still didn't give them an idea because the Jersey flag were playing uh, under. I, I mean, it was contrived scenarios. The Jersey flag weren't going, you know, flat out at them because it's obviously it's males against females, and there is a massive difference in size between them, and a massive difference in the pace at which uh, the game is played by uh, by them. But you know, if you can't have uh, a home and away series, then you're gonna. Can they find the capacity to get them uh, be able to play a trial game? Agreed. You know, just one, just one trial game, so they can judge where they're at. Because you have the feeling that Parramatta just needed to tweak. Yeah, just blow up the cobwebs. Look at the the combinations. Just get some field data. You know, some video to look back and say, okay, we're strong here, but clearly we're you know need to improve in this aspect. You know, this is what we're going to focus on at training ahead of the start of the regular season. So, yes, I agree. I mean, uh, if it were in my hands, double round robin format uh, before we go for big expansion and also maybe, you know, even just one preseason trial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, mate, um, uh, three, two, one, I, I don't think it's too hard for the three and two. The question today. is, which, which way do you spin it? Because yeah. they, were, they were both very, very good. And I actually liked what Tiana Penatani did working in relief at fullback too. Just, you know, getting downhill and attacking the defensive line of the ball in hand. So, I don't know. It, it is a tough call because the, I, I sent you a text message when she set the second try up. But the degree of difficulty on Penatani's try assist back to Gail Broughton on that pass is as high as it's going to get uh, at any level of play, let alone the NRLW. And she nailed that pass. So, which way are you going, mate? Are you going Broughton or Tiana for your... 
three points? Look, probably by virtue of the fact that uh, Broughton, Broughton's level of involvement wasn't able to be uh, repeated in the second half. I have to go for Penatani as uh, my three and Gail Broughton as yeah. my two. And uh, I, I need to uh, cogitate a little bit more on um, on my one. But, yeah, yeah I, how I, are you? I like, I like that rhetoric. I think that's pretty fair. The other thing that I really liked from Tiana this week was the aggression and defense. She made some bone-crunching tackles down that left edge. That looked that side looked so much more secure than the right edge. Uh, the reads were much cleaner. the The first steps were way more decisive. You know, they sort of had their calls defensively and they stuck to them, which is what you want to see. Because if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. But you got to go player to player, man to man, woman to woman, right? You, that that was a problem. The right edge is that there was indecision. The centers weren't backing their like their halves get across and make the cover on the fullback, which then led to a three on two being created in a three on three situation. So, you know, there's the a bit to learn there from the right edge when it comes to what the left was doing. So I do like that three and two setup. One point, well, you know, there, there was a number, we already mentioned a number of good plays in this game. Uh, I gave Zoe Fay a shout-out, although that late error was a bit back-breaking. Taylor Preston, I thought, was very sold on debut for the Eels in the halves. The props already shouted out. The back rolls I shouted out. <sighs> I, I, I have to go for the other co-captain, Samima Taufer, because just besides her presence there, where you know, she just, you know, it, it, it's like she's, everything gets, looks more solid, looks more stable when she's uh, either around the play in defence or, or around the ball in attack. Mm-hmm. She's, she got the, uh, the run metres up there at 115, uh, top the, tackle count with 33 mate I, I you know if I couldn't find a point for her I, I'd be I'd be questioning my judgment on football I, I have to go for I have to go for her for a point yeah I, I am leaning sort of or, or wavering towards Taylor Preston as well who I thought was very impressive on debut stepping up into a situation where there was two new halves so there was no continuity no combination and I thought that she handled a lot of the duties with a plum. But you do make a compelling, ta- compelling argument about Samima. Like, she is very much the heartbeat of this team. Uh, she's so tough, so gritty, and makes so much happen on both sides of the ball. So maybe I do have to go with you there, and we'll, we'll go the unanimous one point there. Yeah. So, um, mate, that's, uh, that wraps up the NRL uh, W for this weekend. But we had two other grades of action that mm-hmm. preceded that. Um, let's let's go with the uh, New South Wales Cup on Friday night. Yeah, out at Kellyville Park, you were on hand documenting this game live. This was not technically a must-win game for the Parramatta Eels. They entered the round in fifth, couldn't move further up the ladder because of recent losses against other top four contenders, but they did have the Canberra Raiders nipping at their heels in sixth spot in a top five format, uh, So, which meant that given the Eels played the 10th place Knights and the uh, Raiders played the last placed uh, Bankstown, Worker Seagulls, uh, is that the word I'm looking for? Not Bankstown. Is it Bankstown? Blacktown. Blacktown. Blacktown, Blacktown, Blacktown Worker Seagulls, sorry. Uh, it was ostensibly must win, and the Eels went out there, and they took care of business, probably a little bit closer than the scoreline indicates at 24-4, to 4, 60s, uh, but an early Sean Russell double kick-started the game for the Eels, followed by Kai Robble trying the 46-minute, and then a big Zach Sini double, including probably one of the better individual efforts you'll see this year. I'll let you detail that one, though. 
uh, got the Eels out to the 24 points. Bad night for captain coach Jordan Rankin off the kick and tee, adding only two from five. For the Knights, Nick O'Mealy, who I believe is the young lad of mum, the ogre, isn't he? Uh, I think uh, Mark O'Mealy's young boy there, he scored a try yeah. for the Knights. Giving the Eels the much-needed win and in situation, so they will enter the finals in fifth place, playing the first week of the New South Wales Cup Sudden Death uh, Final Series. How did you see this one, 60s? Uh, a lot of uh, try score by outside backs there between Russell and Sini. Who stood out? And are the Eels in good shape heading into sudden death footy? Well, there was uh, a, quite a bit of a reshuffle that happened uh, prior to the game with the inclusion of Jake Arthur, given that he only played about 10 minutes against the Broncos the night before. He was included in the halves. Uh, Jordan Rankin moved from halfback to fullback. Sini moved from, uh, well, he, he was uh, listed, I think, as as the winger but he was um yeah it was it, he was he was all over the place so i'm i'm just trying to think now i think he ended up playing on the wing but uh so we had jordan rankin at fullback in seven and Sini out in the wing in four uh hayes perham in the centers wearing the number one jersey Arthur in Jake Arthur 19. In 19. Yep. yeah so it was it was a little bit hard to keep uh, track of as i mentioned not great conditions it was it was a drizzling. Um, it, it came down a little bit heavier at one point. Um, sitting on the on the hill there at Kellyville, there are just to explain to people, there are basically no spectator facilities. I mean none at Kellyville Park. Uh, so it's uh, you know it was a very small crowd in attendance there. Um, it was essentially, family and friends was. Uh, was what we had there, um, but yeah, just to get to the to the point. Uh, look, I think for the Eels, Rankin had a not the greatest first half. I think he made at least three handling errors in the first half. He fixed that up in the second half, but for the in terms of the good performers, uh, you've already mentioned Zaccini. That try, mate. That try. <laughs> look, Zach Sini is a genuine diamond in the rough. He, his attitude of just refusing to be tackled. If he was, if he was playing in front of crowds at the moment, and and this is the problem is that even when the Eels New South Wales Cup team is there on big match days as the curtain raiser, there's not enough people that are there to witness it because he would be a genuine crowd favourite, just the way that he plays the game. His try was one of the more remarkable tries that I've witnessed in lower-grade football for mm-hmm. in all the years that I've been following uh, Parramatta football. I, I saw a similar try scored by Phil Mann back in the day where he, he fielded a missed penalty kick and went the length of the field uh, at Cogra against St George in reserve grade. So the Knights were staging a bit of a comeback. It was 14 to 4. There was about five, six, seven minutes to go, something like that. They dribbled the ball into the end goal and it looked like they were going to get the line dropout because Sini was fielding the ball running backwards. He then sort of ran across the dead ball line, straightened, 
got out of the end goal and lo and behold, he's in open pastures and he took off. He's got them chasing him for a hundred meters <laughs> and, and about five meters out from the line, the Knights chaser who I didn't think was going to get him. I thought Sini's just going to hold on in that last 10 minute, that uh, 10 meters, he really surged in the chase, dived at his ankles, brought him down. So he's hit the ground about two metres out, and I thought, no, he, you know, he deserved the try for that. Please don't let it end two metres out. Fortunately for Sini and Parramatta, the defender fell off the tackle, so Sini simply stood up and dived over the line for what was really the match-clinching try because with the conversion, it took it out from 14-4 to to 20-4 to with five minutes to go. And and that was basically the end of it as a as yeah. a contest and and Parramatta ended up scoring and yet another try after that um, by Sini uh, where Simonson uh, who was uh, playing inside him at centre um, was able to set him up where he was basically one on one with the defender about ten metres out and uh, Sini's going to win that at, at, in New South Wales Cup win that contest probably nine times out of ten. And he got the ball down for his second try again, refusing to be tackled. So um, he finished with a flourish. He was definitely right up there. Um, Hayes Perham, very good at centre. Very, very good at centre because he's got he's got really quick feet and great acceleration off the mark. And when he's given an early ball with a bit of space, again at this level, He's beating his opposite, again, probably nine times out of ten. And in this case, he was able to set up Sean Russell for um, early scores. So, um, yeah, he did He did quite well. Sean Russell did everything that he needed to do. Uh, good finishing. Uh, Jake Arthur was, um, geez, he was targeted. You could hear the opposition calling him out all through the game, you know, to, to smash him. So he really uh, copped some big hits through the game, but his kicking game was on point. He was uh, getting line dropouts. Very, very solid performance from Jake. In fact, when you had that left-hand side of uh, Tony Mattaielli, who was um, uh, alongside... Um, uh, Bailey Simonson with Zach Sini outside them. I thought there was probably a few more times they could have gone to the left over uh, over that side of the field because it seemed like Jake was calling for the ball, but the ball went the opposite side. So, yeah, I didn't think he got the ball enough. Um, in the forwards, uh, Kai Rodwell was uh, very, very solid, very solid. Um, Bryce Cartwright had the sort of game that you'd want him to have as a an NRL standard player and someone who was a fringe origin player in the past. So he was he was particularly good in attack. Um, and I mentioned Tony Mattaielli, uh, very powerful with his carries. Um, solid game from Offahiki Ogden. Um, yeah, look, pretty much the they did their job. Bit few too many errors mm-hmm. in the back half of the first half. That, uh, but then again, the conditions. 
mate, the conditions were just, you know, they were awful for football. They weren't the worst that they played in this year, but they weren't great. You know, you could both teams started to make a lot of handling errors, and you could see it was because of the slippery ball. So, um, twenty-four to four, they finish in fifth place. They deserve to be in the finals football. Um, they've had uh, quite a good season in the in. You know, there was maybe one or two games where they were a little bit below standard. You saw one of those games out at Henson Park. Yep. Um, called that for us. Um, but, you know, outside of that, you know, most of the most of the year they've been very, very solid. So unlucky against Penrith a few weeks ago. Oh, with, my goodness. Um, Playing for 11. Being down 11. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, no, probably not too much else that I could uh, that I could share from that game. But they're they're now going to be playing finals football, and considering the disruptions to the year, um, with uh, Jordan Rankin having to take over as uh, captain coach partway through the year, and um, they've had, uh, of course, he hasn't been on his own. They've had uh, pathways assistance, particularly from uh, Craig Brennan, who has basically moved up from being assistant coach at the flag to being assistant coach at the, uh, especially on match days in the, um, in New South Wales cup. Yep. Um, but I think he's also been there at, uh, at training uh, notice when they've trained at night. So um, yeah, he's, he's certainly been able to pitch in there and help. Um, and really the majority of the team, well, I'm looking at a game like this and uh, let me just, you know, I don't think there's anyone in that team. Uh, maybe Talmapinu might be the only one who um, isn't training with the full-time squad through the week. And he's I'm pretty pushing, sure he's pushing his case is, for a full-time preseason. Yeah. So, um, uh, but the other the other fellows there, you you see them through the week at training. So they're really getting training with the full-time squad. So you know they're getting. They're getting the input from, you know, like four or five coaches through the week. So, uh, but still, that was a bit of a disruption that they faced through the through the uh, season. So, uh, full credit. There you go, full credit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how did that come out of my mouth? Full credit to the boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll 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 backtrack a bit there. And, and just say congratulations to them for qualifying for finals football, and it's a whole new competition now. And looking across the other side of the stat sheet, uh, former or former future Parramatta Eel, uh, Jira Mamasia, or Jira Mamasia, uh, 10 runs for 90-odd metres and four tackle breaks, plus a, a decent amount of tackles if only a couple missed. Pretty solid game from a potential, uh, I wouldn't say a breakout play for the Eels, but an interesting prospect nonetheless. Plays a very physical game. That was my takes coming away from it. Just his, he was very tough for the Eels to bring down in his carries. Um, so I'm interested in how he's going to go with a, a preseason behind him. Uh, look, it's going to be interesting. It, it won't be that long before they'll be starting the preseason, mm. although we have got the World Cup that's probably going to push everything back a little bit in terms of the, the entire squad. But when we get to the preseason and we see who's got a preseason training contract, uh, that that's the that's the most interesting part. Who, because that's almost an indication as to who the eels might have their eye on internally 
to make the next step, who they're giving an opportunity to in the way of a pre-season training deal because, uh, well, famously, Reed Marnie was brought in for... That's immediately where my head went to. Six week, yeah, mm-hmm. ...a six-week pre-season, and that was it. So he, he was coming in up to playing, playing a full pre-season into an NRL debut. That's it. Yeah, and that was in... Uh, that was in a world uh, post World Cup season two from uh, memory, and uh, he impressed. It. There was a lot of the players didn't come back till either the week last week of the preseason of, of the uh, last week before Christmas or or straight after the Christmas break. So he impressed with the smaller number that were there. It got him an extension of his preseason into the new year, which then led to him getting an early NRL debut. It wasn't a great year in uh, 2018, but he got his debut that year. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But speaking of that, uh, the next match was the Jersey flag clash, which was uh, at 1.15 yesterday afternoon. Again, not the nicest uh, conditions to be watching football in. We had a little bit of drizzle, not as much as the night before, but it was cold. It was really cold again. So, and I made the mistake of getting out there in shorts because I thought, <laughs> oh, there's a, bit of, there's a bit of sun around, you know. It's um, it's not nighttime. I'll uh, I'll I'll try and get uh, get a bit of sun there and uh, enjoy the afternoon. And uh, the clouds just kept rolling across, and uh, eventually the rain hit. So again, not great conditions. But we do have some players to talk about uh, from that match. So, um, uh, anything you want to say about that before I continue my ramble, mate? <laughs> I'll, I'll give him a quick rundown of the score. <laughs> Parramatta Eels 34, defeating the second place Newcastle Knights 22 out at Kellyville Park. Real bittersweet result here, 60s, which I'm sure you're going to go into detail on. Uh, we know this team's very talented, but couldn't quite get it together long enough to push into the finals, although their second half of the season was vastly improved. For the Knights, uh, Keanu... Uh, Wanoa Kemp, sorry, got their first try followed by Fletcher Sharp, Thomas Kant and Mitch Henderson. They went three from four off the boot of Mr. Kant. For the Eels, they started scoring in a brisk rate. First minute try for Jonte Jr. and Beth Mesa, followed by Corey Fenning, Ryan Jones, Arthur Miller, Stephen, Mac Fisi and Jacob Davis. Good day off the tee for Corey Fenning, five from six. And yeah, that was a, a big win for the Eels, a fantastic way to sign off on the year. How did you see it, mate, being that you were out there documenting the game? Oh, mate, absolutely spectacular first half of football. It was it was interesting because the uh, the first try seemed to – it almost came out of nothing where um, a kick was put through that – and, and from memory it was by uh, Ryan Jones, who's uh, a back rower, and uh, it just took a nasty bounce for the Eels' fullback. And then um, Jonte uh, – Chased through, regathered it quite spectacularly, and uh, dived over the line. And yeah, we, it was by the time the conversion was taken, it was uh, only about three minutes into the game, and it was six nil. And then uh, after that, it was just um, a procession of uh, well, the Knights did, did drag one back just after that, but um, yeah, after that, it was just great football from Parramatta. It's you mentioned there about. Uh, the potential that was there in the team. We saw them not too many weeks ago 
absolutely smash the Sharks, who were mm-hmm. a top four team. And they didn't give them a look in. They were just, uh, they were positive. They were intense. They took the game to the, the Sharks early. And this is exactly what they did against the Knights. They were, the intensity levels were fantastic. They, they played tremendous attacking football. They had good line speed in defence. And the first half score that ended up being 22 to 4 was a great indication of, of the attitude that they took into the game and, and just the way that they played their football in that first half. Um, the, I really liked the try that came just before uh, half time. Uh, where the forwards like they virtually scored on the set straight after the um, the kickoff from the the previous try, so the forwards just took it to Newcastle in their carries after the kickoff. Uh, got to um, uh, got back into the uh, into the Knights uh, half. Got a a, a line dropout. And, no, they put the they put a kick up, and uh, yeah, got yeah got a line drop out, and then just spread the ball on about the fourth or fifth tackle after it looked like it was breaking down, and the just the way that they um, that Corey Fenning was able to seemingly manufacture a try out of nothing. With the the draw and pass, it was it was just great. So Miller Stephen had a good time outside of uh, outside of Corey Finning from the match. But yeah, that was that was probably one of my favourite tries of the day. Just simply the because Corey Finning was just able to do um, when you can manufacture something out of nothing. You know, when you have got a player who can manufacture something out of nothing, and he just had a a really switched on day. We like him as a fullback, but he was there in the centres yesterday captaining the team from the centers it'll be interesting to see whether he gets a preseason with the eels i'd like to think they'd give him a preseason uh but he, it was another strong performance from him they started off the second half where they left off straight jumped out to 28 to 4 and looked to be running all over them and then the possession started to fall the yeah. knight's way now the Knights are running second, obviously, for a reason. And we're in the hunt for the minor premiership into this game. If they've gotten a win and the Roosters are lost today, as we record on Sunday, they would have uh, flipped the positions on the table. Yes. So they were. They got that momentum. They did. One of their tries was um, was quite fortunate. They, they they went for a chip kick on the last around halfway, and it was an abominable chip kick but it just seemed to be that as all the players were going for the ball the ball kept finding Knight's hands even when the ball hit the ground it was finding Knight's hands and then it found a hand that um, I think it might have been their centre that just burst out into the open and they scored a try off that and then I thought we could be in trouble here they pulled back to 28-16 then they pulled back to 28-22 and there was a full eight minutes left in the game when they pulled back to 28-22 and it just looked like they had all of the momentum. But fortunately, Parramatta uh, got a, a possession back off a Newcastle er- error. And then it was uh, a Newcastle old boy in Jacob Davis who 
uh, after a powerful, powerful charge from uh, Jonte Jr., just had a crack himself from close range, a dummy half, literally just dived over the line, and that was it. That was the end of the match, 34-22. So um, good to see them finish the season on a high because I don't think you can get, you know, if you're not going to beat the finals, uh, make the finals, you may as well at least beat either the the team right at the top or or the team running second in that last game. And there's a bit of vision around on social media of the boys celebrating in the sheds afterwards and good on them. Good on them for finishing so positively. And uh, I I mentioned coming into this uh, chat about this game, uh, I was segueing in from talking about who's going to get a pre-season with the Eels uh, NRL team. Uh, there might be a couple of boys out of this grade. Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, I think there could be definitely a few boys that push for either the full pre-time pre-season, uh, pre-time, full pre, full-time pre-season, sorry, or that partial pre-season they give to some of the younger guys, just give them a little taste of what it takes to push towards full-time football. Yeah, so uh, look, I think Ethan Sanders would go close. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not I'm not sure um, uh, whether it's necessarily going to be too early because he's quite young, but Saxon Pryke had a whale of a game in this in this particular match. The two forwards, Peter T- two props, Peter Tateo and uh, the JJ the, the your what do you call him the hyphen? The, the big hyphen, yeah. The big hyphen, Jonte Jr. Beat the Mesa. Right, I think the players call him JJ for Jonte Jr., which makes a lot of sense. Yes, <laughs> which and it's an it's an easier call to call him JJ. So both T- Peter Tateo and JJ as the starting middles are backed up by Saxon Bryke at lock really set a strong tone in this game. And Saxon, who was the captain of the SG Ball team, and the SG Ball team, you know, they had their struggles this year. And he was a shining light, and it was, it may have been. I don't know about you, mate, but it was. It may have been a little bit of a surprise that he was elevated from uh, the Harold Bats into the leadership position in the mm. um, SG Ball this season. Obviously, speaks so, to how highly they rate his character and his ability to lead the team. But yeah, Saxon, a player of high promise, but it's just great to see him, you know, delivering almost ahead of schedule. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was saying. I I, I think he, he is rated very highly by the club. I believe he's a Rouse Hill Rhinos junior. And um, anyway, he he's um, carries because, as I mentioned, he's only eighteen, so he's not as big as some of the other uh, players. Although we did note how much bigger he he seemed to have grown yeah. between the Harold Mats and the SG Ball, but and and he will be. Um, you know, the size of a middle forward by the time he's finished growing. But, you know, he's quite raw-boned compared to the uh, other uh, big middle players out there. But, boy, did he take it up with his carries and his defence. He he was powerful in this match, uh, just unrelenting. So uh, I'm really impressed with him. Um, we mentioned about, uh, mentioned about Corey Fenning before, and when we had Corey on as a guest on our podcast... We spoke to him about Ryan Jones, who's a, is a mate of his from the Central Coast from memory. 
and uh, he, he, we talked about his motor, and he, he got some games up in the New South Wales Cup earlier this season. So maybe they might have him targeted to uh, get a little bit of a, a pre-season. So I think they're, they're good starting points for that. So uh be interesting to see who does get a, um, a pre-season, but... I'd like to think that I'm going to be close to the mark with some of those players that I uh, just spoke about then. And players that took part in the preseason this year that were in this fake squad, I think Pete Tateo, uh, JJ, uh, is that it so far? Anyone else that was part of it? Ethan was too young. Um, oh, well, Tony, of course, Tony, yeah. Tony Matelli, who's up in New South Wales Cup. Yes. Who, yeah, yeah. Who we, we expect to be a bit of a mover and shaker, hopefully, in the upcoming preseason. So, and of course, uh, the injured Matt Komalafi. And yes, and well. I believe that he's been the forgotten man because he did his knee. Uh, but our back rower, uh, Jock Brazel. Yeah. yeah. You know, very high raps on him. Uh, he's another player that's going to feature, I think, prominently in the preseason in a good way. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he's doing a preseason. I think that might have been part of his contract that, mm-hmm. he, that he got at least the the pre-Christmas part of the pre-season. So he's done well to um, be back running. Uh, it was most unfortunate injury where mm. he he injured his knee last tackle in the last training session before Christmas. So you don't get you don't get much more unlucky no. than that. No. And that's uh, <laughs> that's sports sometimes, isn't it? Just some uh, astronomical bad luck to go for the incredible good luck that happens somewhere at some time. But yeah, it means that we've got a very exciting preseason for these young men here as they look to push their claims for not necessarily immediate NRL debut in 2023, but to put themselves into the frame. So lots to play for 60s, lots to follow. Uh, Mate, there's really some some interesting players there because coming into this season, there was a whole lot there that we didn't know much about because they'd been uh, bought from other clubs. And... um, it's we talked about how it you know when they were clicking they could beat the best teams in the in the competition and we've now seen that with them beating Cronulla and uh, and also Newcastle and uh, you know like players like the uh, Nutili Schmidt brothers for example mm-hmm. now um, they've done particularly well they've held their spots all year. Um, Cruz could be an interesting one because I think he's got the build that he could play not just a dummy half, but also a, a lock role, you would think, coming on there. they um, uh, Moala Graham Taufer, I'm sure he was in the top 30 at the Roosters. I believe and, so, yeah. So that there's absolutely some interesting, like, smokies there, isn't there? That if they sort of put their heads down and work hard and, you know, get that foot in the door, they could absolutely be <clears throat> guys that can further, further their sort of push in 2023, be it through if they're returning flag players or cup players? Well, looking at the ones that played yesterday, um, these players were playing in the SG ball as well. So we had um, Nick Lanaz Mm -hmm. was was, uh, playing in the SG ball. Jacob Davis was was playing in the SG ball. Saxon Pryke, um, Ethan Sanders started up there and Arthur Miller-Steven. Yes. So that, that's, a, that's a collection there. And then when you look at the ones that have been given a run in New South Wales Cup, 
we had uh, Jack Colavati was given a run in New South Wales Cup earlier in the season. Ryan mm-hmm. Jones, Peter Tateo, um, Corey Fenning. So they've had that. Matt Comalafi uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, that exposure. Uh, yeah, Matt Comalafi, of course, had that exposure to the higher level of football. So you'd, you'd have to think as well that the, the clubs, uh, they showing their hand a little bit in in seeing how some players handle that step up in grade. I mean, it's not just filling a hole, but it's, you know, they're, they're going to fill the hole with a purpose, with with players that they think are probably going to benefit from coming up and having that little bit of exposure. So, um, yeah, interesting times coming into the uh, pre-season for all of those reasons. Yes, indeed. And I think that's a pretty nice spot to wrap it all up for this bonus uh, edition of the tip sheet podcast a very very fantastic and exciting week of Parramatta football 60s shame to not get that final result today in the NRLW but geez they acquitted themselves well and looking to like they can build nicely into this season the question will be for our women is can they you know get those two or three wins now required to ask or at least put a hand on a spot in the postseason potentially well you know the beauty about rugby league is that um, you only have to wait about a week for that. (laughs) And speaking of waiting just about a week, of course, we're going to be live from Combank Stadium on Thursday night for the home finale for the Parramatta Eels in the NRL. And, geez, talk about sort of scripts writing themselves and and all those, you know, you talk about sports and those weird moments that come together. As much as the Cowboys hurt us by not getting the Rabbitohs in a must-win scenario next week to save their finals bids, uh, the Parramatta Eels were the beneficiaries of the Sydney Roosters holding on against the Melbourne Storm, which means that this game now is win and your top four. That's it. That's the equation. Winning your top four, losing your sixth spot. So home final at the very minimum for the Parramatta Eels now. But at the maximum, they get another shot at the Penrith Panthers and potentially just one game away from the grand final after that. Yeah, so it's we spoke last week and you you talked about there's 160 minutes left in the regular season. Can they be focused for that 160 minutes? Well, the first 80 minutes, we'll put a tick down for that. So they now come into this next 80 minutes. Theoretically, the Eels are 160 minutes away from being in a grand final qualifier. Yeah. Yep. Theoretically, so that's, the that's boys the time just of year we're at now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we we you always want a scenario where your destiny is in your own hands. You, we've had that many of uh, you know different teams that have been looking at the results in other matches, and to a, a minor extent, we needed um, uh, results to go our way for us to still qualify for top four. The Roosters came through for us. They made, us, they made us sweat. They made us sweat, but they they came through for us. And um, you know, honestly speaking, the Melbourne Storm should probably be missing a few of their star players out of that game. I don't know how Cameron Munster and Nelson of Nelson of Sofa a Sofa Solomona Nelson of Sofa Solomona. I got there. Keep getting away with it, but they they are Teflon. They just protected species. Well, Shelley's written about that in her post this week, and that's up there and getting a bit of traction on TCT today with. Uh, people replying to that post, um, just, you know, she's incredulous that um, Regan Campbell-Gillard uh, faced a, a charge that uh, Cameron Munster, uh, and, and Cameron Munster is without charge. So, 
it's yeah. I mean, are we surprised? I'm not surprised. We were banging on about it at the start of the year with all of the incidents that were going on in the early part of the season. You remember when we had that uh, the podcast and we talked about the changes to the judiciary system that have been brought in in the last minute. Yeah, clearly rushed in. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and I think you were trying to look at it from a glass half full perspective, and I said I, I, I'm going to refrain from comment yeah. until I see yeah. how it well, plays now out. Now there's seasons worth of data to make some comments on, and geez, it doesn't look good. No, it uh, it does not. So um, yeah, but what a game and. Oh mate, the club's going to be going off if we got to if we we're able to get a win against the Storm. I will be champing at the bit to um, get back there and and talk to the throng in there at uh, Jack's Bar and Grill after the game. So uh, be there. I mean, come in there. We'll have a. We'll, we're going to be enjoying ourselves, win or lose. Obviously, a lot more if we win. But we're in there in finals football, as you said. The worst case scenario is a home finals match. The best case scenario is, is a top four uh, semi-final clash. So there'll be plenty to celebrate anyway in Jack's Bar and Grill, but let's let's get a win and let's really enjoy ourselves in there post-game. We'll see you in there with our a tip sheet live version. Uh, with an e- There'll be an Eels great joining us. Uh, yet to be advised who that'll be, but uh, based on who we've had all season... It, look, it's going to be some fun and it's going to be um, a, a great time after the game on Thursday night. Yes, sir. And as always, thanks for stopping by giving us a listen. Make sure to check out all the latest on the Cumberland Throw. We've got goals, post-game grades. We've got the Shelleys <clears throat> from the stands. I'll have my general logic up at some point in the near future. Uh, yeah, plenty of uh, post-game action there, including this podcast, obviously. But, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the next episode.